Psalm 78, the first eight verses. Here we go. Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born that they may rise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The 78th Psalm was written by Asaph, who was a worship leader. This is called a contemplation. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. So get ready to receive some revelation. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. So share what you have received from the generation before you. We will not hide them, from their children, that is, our peers. Our fathers gave us this, and we share it with our father's children, so our brothers and sisters, and their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. So those of us that are getting up in years, I want to encourage you to record your testimony while you can still remember what God has done. Record it. Well, somebody needs to give me a round to it. I'll get a bag of them and give you a round to it. If you have a cell phone, you have a recorder. Well, I don't like how I look on camera. Well, there's a voice recorder on there. Record these things. Who wants to be forgotten when they die? Nobody. And it's really not about us being remembered, but it's about the fame of the Lord. Thank God the stories that happened to our spiritual forefathers before this was written, was written so that we could remember. One day on vacation, I woke up and these words were just in the air in front of me. I couldn't see them. I just knew they were there. And the words were, harness the power of testimony. I live with that. How do you do that? It's important. So I paid a guy to video my parents talking. And then I found another video that someone also had done the same thing, talking. So that they'll be remembered, but also so that their testimonies will give faith to their descendants and all who know them beyond the great things the Lord has done. Verse 4 again, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. 
For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So the forefathers before us set an example to follow and an example to not follow. And then in the rest of the psalm, he launches into Israel's previous history. Some examples to follow, most examples not to follow. So we teach the generation to come what to do and what not to do. And it's my prayer that we would heed this word today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. Help us to apply it deep to our hearts, to our families, to our neighbors, to this community of faith, and to our city and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm speaking today on the subject, honoring the generations. Can we say generations? God's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we worship him. Hence the name of our church, the generations. We were started as a church plant of Shady Grove Church in Grand Prairie, and so our name for years was Shady Grove. And when we built this building, we took a word that had been delivered to us prophetically that the day would come when we would build a place for the generations. So when we built the building, our building campaign was called Building a Place for the Generations. So when we are on this hill... And another church in town that's a block away from Shady Grove Road on Sunday morning was giving directions to people how to find us. My heart sank. People were getting confused because there is a Shady Grove Road a few miles from here. And Shady Grove is not the name of a mission. It's just the name of a location. Our mother church was located at the time on Shady Grove Road. And so I believe every local church is called to reach the generations and to Worship the God of the generations, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And therefore, it was easy just to embrace what we had called the place while we were building it. So here we are. The elders agreed to the name change, and it was easy. So today's subject is kind of in two parts. We're going to talk about God's honor. It's his honor to honor the generations, and we honor him because he honors the generations And it's our honor to honor the generations. And we are honorable when we honor the generations before us, our father and mother, and coming from us, not provoking our children to wrath. Or we could say God's character and our responsibility. So on the subject of God's character, we will look at these three statements. Our Lord reigns. Who knows the Lord reigns? He values all. And God's blessings are passed on. Who knows that's true? And then our responsibility. We should make him known. Knowing him and making him known to this generation beyond is our slogan. That's what we want to do. That's what we think every church should be about. Future generations should be. Who knows future generations are important. We live in a generation that's trying to wipe out future generations. 
with the epidemic called abortion. And it's gotten so corrupt, they call that health care. Give me a break. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Health care? That's death care. That's not health, caring for health for the unborn. Our responsibility is all generations should minister. We all don't retire from ministering to one another. Those of us that are ministering to the elderly, you know what you're doing? You're setting a pattern for the generation to follow, to walk in your footsteps. Who knows, the bridge you're building may be one you need one day. So I hope those of you that are doing that, even as a job, that you are encouraged today because you're ministering as your generation's ministering to the one gone before. Honoring the generations. So first of all, our Lord reigns from generation to generation. He created the generations. He created us in his image. God is a father who has children who become fathers and mothers who have children who become fathers and mothers who have children. Those of you that have little ones sitting at your table, you're not raising children. You're raising little fathers and mothers. They are children, yes, but they won't always be. So you got to keep the future in mind. And when the time comes for them to leave and cleave, should the Lord grace them with marriage, let them go as they start their thing. You'll still be an influence in their life, probably till they're 40, and then they're really on their own because they're helping their kids enter adulthood. And so we're all called to be involved in this. This is part of our calling as believers. Lamentations 5.19 says this about the Lord. You, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. So he's always relevant. Christianity is not outdated. It doesn't need an update. doesn't need a facelift. It needs faithfulness. Obviously, we communicate the same message, the same gospel with new methods in the language of our culture, in the language of today, but there's not another way to heaven. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we know that is guaranteed. I am the way. I am the truth. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, from generation to generation. Good enough for Moses, good enough for me. Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar had this revelation. In verse 3, he realized God was God. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. And then he forgot about that. So the Lord let him lose his mind for, was it seven years? For a long time, he lived like a beast out in the field. And then the Lord returned his mind to him. And in verse 34, this is what he said. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. He didn't forget the greatness of God. Our Lord values all generations of his people. Oh, I wish I could have lived back in the Bible days. When we say that, are we saying God loves them more than us? Do you really want to live through a winter with outdoor plumbing? 
You are blessed to live in the day in which you live. They may look at us and be tempted to think that God loves us more than them. Because God's blessings are passed on from generation to generation, we are living in a better time. It's true. Exodus 3.15, at the burning bush, the Lord speaks to Moses out of this bush. It's not burning, yet it's on fire. He says, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God, that's Yahweh, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's not three gods. That's the same God from generation to generation. Has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. The old covenant wasn't passed away. It was fulfilled in the new covenant. His name is still the God of Abraham the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You know what's so encouraging about that name? Is those guys weren't perfect, yet God claimed them and did this on them and forgave them and brought them through. He changed Jacob's name to Israel, but he chose to be known as the God of Jacob. That gives us hope, amen? Psalm 33, David is another guy. God revealed himself to in spite of his faults. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. The God of your fathers is your God too. And is your children's God. May they get to know him as their God and not just as Papa's God. Psalm 100 verse 5. I love to read that psalm. We used to begin the service by reading it. It ends with, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, verse 89 and 90 says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. Psalm 146.10. The Lord shall reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Can we say that? Praise the Lord. Lord. This is also New Covenant stuff. Look at what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. His letter to them, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. It'd be great if he could do above all that we... It'd be great if he could do all that we ask or think. But he's able to do above all that we ask or think. He doesn't stop there. He's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. And he doesn't stop there. He has another superlative. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us to him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever Amen. So for those that believe the gifts of the Spirit have passed away, this is in their faith, cessationists. God is faithful to all generations. They had healing, we had cancer. Give me a break. Healing was not replaced with sickness. We have hope in Him. Obviously, all healing is temporary. Who knows that's true? It's true. Eventually, we will pass. 
there were some people in town that were real old. They believed in the never die doctrine. If you don't sin, you'll never die. Well, I guess eventually they sinned because they did die. <laughs> we should make him known to all generations. We should want the elderly to get the Lord, know the Lord. Who's ever been to Triple Cross? Cowboy Church. Who said Double Cross? They're baptizing men in their 80s. That's awesome. He's a God of all generations, and we're to be involved in making him known to everybody. Psalm 45, 17, I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. Psalm 79, 13, so we, your people and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. It's not just the longevity that we give the Lord praise, but it's generations. It's people younger than us, people older than us, people yet to be born. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing with my mouth. Shall I make known your faithfulness, your faithfulness? And with my mouth shall I make known your faithfulness to all generations. Sorry, I just had a (laughs) flashback there. Future generations should be prioritized. They should be. When the church began, one of the first members we hired to be on staff was Laura Duncan. Serve in the area of children's ministry. It's such an important thing. Psalm 22, 30 and 31. A posterity, that's our seed, that's our descendants, shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. That he has done this. We can't get in a time machine and minister to the people in the year 2050. But we can minister to people who will be alive in 2050. Yep, the little ones sitting at your table are your time machine. You can go there through them. Psalm 48, verse 12 to first part of 14, telling him to walk about Zion, go all around her. Zion is the people of God, the kingdom of God, the expression of God, the community of his people. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. One, two, three. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. For this is our God, our God forever and ever. So are we to learn just for our own learning and die? That knowledge goes with us? No, we're to learn so that we can help others learn. People within our own generation. And young people, don't make it hard for the older generation to teach you, to mentor you. Pursue them. In fact, a mentoree needs to pursue the mentor. Mentors who pursue mentorees and make them sit down and listen, that's controlling. It doesn't exactly work. So as an older person you respect, you want to pick their brain about something, you want to meet with them regularly, push the door. Don't suffer from rejection. They have that knowledge for a reason. It's not to take it to the grave with them, but it's to pass it on. 
Psalm 71, 17 through 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I will declare your wondrous works. Who've known the Lord since they were a kid? Most of us. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, or bald-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. May the Lord help me be around to teach this generation and the one that is to come and the one that is coming. Psalm 78, 4 and verse 6. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. Pastor, what are you doing with all these scriptures? We already got it. All right, let's move on. Well, this is a thread of truth. I want you to see it. It's a thread of truth. This is not just another sunny morning. No, a, a thread of truth is just being shared because it is important for us. If we make this a priority, we'll never be a narcissistic church. Future generations should be prioritized. Psalm 102 says... My days are like a shadow that lengthens. The sun goes down, shadows get longer, and I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever, and the remembrance of your name to all generations. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So write it down. If you got a book in you, write it. It's easier now to write and publish a book than ever. I'm not sure what the website is, but if you Google createspace.com, it will link you to it. You can write a book and not buy one copy until you're ready to. And it creates a little web page so that you can sell without having to buy cases of books to keep in your garage that nobody wants. No, you're able to forward it to the world so that those that want to hear your story can do it. Sell them to those that want them. King Hezekiah is one of the Bible's heroes, a righteous man. He did a lot of great things for Israel in restoring the honor of God. And when he would get in a jam, he would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would hear. Twice he was in trouble militarily, and God came through. Once the prophet Isaiah came to see him and says, put your house in order, you're a dead man. He turned his face to the Lord and wept. And before Isaiah was off the premises, the Lord changed his mind and sent him back. And says, the Lord says you're going to live 15 more years. And Hezekiah said, how will I know this is true? He said, well, watch the sundial. He's going to make the shadow run backwards 10 degrees. That guy prayed powerful prayers? Well, that happened in chapter 20, and before chapter 20 was over, he messed up and allowed the Babylonians to see all the treasures of Israel. Isaiah came to see him and says, you shouldn't do that. The Lord says you're going to be conquered, and this is going to happen. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, your kids, your descendants, 
which you shall beget, shall they take away. Your kids are going to be captive. Daniel was one of those. And they shall be eunuchs. Daniel and the three Hebrew children were made eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. This was not good news, was it? Did Hezekiah cry out to God like he did before? Oh, God, have mercy. You've done miracles before. Do it again, Lord. No, look at his attitude. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord. Good word, which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? At least I got it going on. Sorry about my descendants. That sucks for them, but man, it's great. That's a good word right on. That's rather narcissistic, isn't it? Do we have that attitude? I think our government does. Can I camp on that a little bit? They're running up the death debt rate like crazy, not worrying about the descendants to come that are going to curse this generation beyond belief. Can you run your household by running up the, the debts? Well, people will riot. Well, let them riot. Deal with them. But just borrowing money you don't have, it's crazy. I'll, I'll leave that alone. All generations should minister to one another. The younger to the older, the older to the younger. Honor your father and mother. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Psalm 145, 3 and 4. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another. And shall declare your mighty acts. I love it that we have worship leaders that weren't even alive when this church began. There were a twinkle in their mama's eye in 91. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Lord, may we continue that tradition. We're here because somebody continued it. Malachi 4.6, this is how the Old Testament ends. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The earth is cursed by the generation gap. May the Lord help us to bridge it every chance we get. You know, in prison, there's no request issued for Father's Day cards. When they're made available, Mother's Day cards are gotten. But Father's Day comes along, they make those available, nobody wants one. There's something there, and that's getting worse in America, because we're raising up not only a fatherless generation, but a motherless generation. Peers are now reigning supreme. The people our children today are being ra are raised with, going to school with, playing in the neighborhoods with. Many of them don't have Parents, some are like orphans. And so what their peers think reigns supreme. So when a dumb peer bullies them, it's the end of the world. 
In my day, if someone bullied me, I would hear my father's voice in my head. Boy, you're made in the image of God. Don't listen to that mess. The Lord use us to help break this curse in the world and in the land. Lest our enemies who are laughing at us overtake us. God's blessings are passed onward generationally. You know, there's about three or four ways that you are blessed. The Lord blesses you with the ability to work, the works of your hands, witty inventions. He blesses that. If it's just planting a garden, he blesses that by bringing life to your labor. He blesses wise investments. And he blesses through miracles. That can happen. But a miracle is a rarity. It's not the norm. I knew a guy that wouldn't work, that lived for a miracle, always looking at his mailbox every day. And I had to go and rebuke him and say, bro, go get a job. You're neglecting two of the other ways God blesses. No investment? Okay, go work. And the fourth way he blesses is by inheritance. Through your forefathers' hard work and or their investment, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So four ways he blesses, hard work, wise investment, miracles, thank God for miracles, and inheritance. God's blessings are passed on generationally. Mary, when she went to see her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, John the Baptist got filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Don't tell me that's not a human being in there. And Mary began to worship the Lord and issue what is called the Magnificat. She begins to worship and she says this in Luke 1, 49 to 50. For he has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. So the mercy that is on us for our respecting the Lord is passed onward to the next generation. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary was chosen out of a land full of virgins who was blessed by their forefathers. And she was highly blessed by bringing the Son of God into the world. We're talking about honoring the generations. Why is the name of our church so significant to me personally? Well, in 1984, we left Houston to start a church in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I wanted to start one in the Houston area where we live, and the pastor said, no, you're closer to these people than I am. If you do that, it'll split the church. Well, I didn't want to do that. So we moved to the Dallas area and loved it and planted a church in Irving. It was supposed to be the first church of any kind in Las Colinas, but we never made it. Two and a half years into it, it was around 30 folks, and it was a struggle. It was something that I said I would do that the Lord hadn't instructed us to do. And so um, after hearing a strong sermon on what is a work of the flesh, I realized I had an Ishmael thing going on in my life. I didn't run away from the Lord's calling, but I run ahead of him many times. 
And so uh, I realized I'd gotten way ahead of God, and so we swallowed our pride and closed the church. And I thought, I'm not going to be a pastor. It's not for me. And he led us to join Shady Grove Church. And I had been a member there maybe a year or so and went on a men's retreat. It was just a Friday night and a Saturday thing at an encampment in Fort Worth itself. On my son's sixth birthday, I was at this camp. The camp opened with a meal and a worship service, and then we were to be silent until our meeting the next afternoon. So here I am, large room full of men. None of us are speaking to each other. And in that silence, I wrote in my journal these words. I'm not adding to the Bible, but if you find something in them that is unscriptural, let me know, and I'll go to the Lord again about this. But this majorly impacted my life, and I'm here today because of this word. On my son's sixth birthday, March 12, 1988, while at a men's retreat in Fort Worth with men from Shady Grove Church of Grand Prairie, I experienced what could be called a visitation from the Lord. That morning, during several hours of silence, the Lord began speaking to my heart some very clear direction for my ministry as a father to the children he had blessed me with. Others received similar life-changing direction that weekend. In the following are some of the things I wrote in my journal that day. I felt like God was speaking directly to me. I had my Bible and my notebook, and I began writing these words. They've changed my life and my family for the better. I hope they will bless all those who take the time to read them. So this is available in our brochure rack out here on the wall by the information desk. Here's what I wrote in my journal that morning. It was a Saturday morning, March 12, 1988. I have a clear word to speak to you as a father. Many have committed their lives to numerous noble pursuits, but have neglected their own children and died knowing they had failed. My church would not have crumbled into the dark ages if fathers would have been spiritual fathers to their natural children. What about the natural descendants of the apostles? not to mention their spiritual offspring's descendants. What happened to them? Were they all killed off? I say no. The purposes for my people were not successfully imparted from generation to generation. Will you lay down your life for the next generation? Are you willing to become nothing so that the next generation may shine? I'm not speaking of your relationship within your own generation, but of your relationship to the next generation. The apostles succeeded in reaching their generation and in reaching their next generation, but this impartation began to decline after several generations. Now I call you to look at your own generation. Many have fallen into sin and have unregenerate children because some of the former generation failed to lay down their lives for your generation. I'll call you to look at the next generation. Many Christians are not laying down their lives for them. They fail, they say, because of the soonness of my coming to prepare the next generation to carry on the legacy of Christ. If I come today or 2,000 years from now, there's no excuse for not laying down your life to see the next generation serve me and continue the dynasty of my eternal purpose. Your fathering a child is the most ideal opportunity to disciple someone that you will ever have. And while you are called to disciple the nations, do not neglect your own children. For the promises to you 
and to your children and to all who are far off, Acts 2.39. If your generation reaches more people than any other generation and yet does not successfully disciple the next generation, your generation will have failed. The people you reach will raise their children just like you do. You cannot impart what you're not walking in. Do not neglect the nations and do not neglect your children, lest the nations you reach also neglect their children. Be a worshiper, be a father, be a discipler, be a man. So while meditating on those words, I thought of the potential power of a set of parents in God's kingdom in the first century. I thought, what if during the first century church, just one set of parents, two people, mom and a dad, successfully discipled two children, and those two children grew up and did the same. They each had two children to disciple them. That would make four disciples in the second generation. Continuing with that train of thought and giving each set of parents 40 years, a biblical generation, to truly disciple two children, I wondered if this trend continued from generation to generation, with each generation only doubling the size of the previous one, how many potentially successfully discipled children would there be by the 50th generation, 2,000 years? The answer is 2 to the 50th power. And by hand, I numbered off 1 through 50. And at first it was slow, and then the exponential growth kicked in. Now keep in mind, we're speaking of potential, not the actual. Potential. What would the potential number of disciple children be by the 50th generation? The number is 793,969,399,169,000, and don't forget, 24. <laughs> While this is dealing with the potential of child rearing, one can easily see the incredible influence we have as parents. The hand that rocks a cradle really does rock the world. With these insights and others shared by the other brothers at that same retreat, I went home with renewed vigor to work at discipling my own children. It was not easy, but it has been most rewarding. Thank God for a great wife and mother, Yvette, whom God gave me to raise our children with. We're also grateful for the many wonderful believers who've helped us along the way by supplementing our parenting with their great influence and their commitment to children and youth ministry. From that time on, I began to do everything I could to be a blessing to the children's ministry of Shady Grove Church in Grand Prairie, where my wife eventually joined the staff to work in children's ministry full-time. Our passion was to supplement the ministry of other parents, give them a break, so they could hear the word of God without babysitting their kids and while we could do our best to do what they were doing with them once a week or twice a month, however often we were able to do it. Several years later, an opportunity opened for us to also minister to children each week at a new congregation they were helping plant. And here we are. Here we are. So Shady Grove Church was a magnet for pastors, hurt pastors, wounded pastors, wannabe pastors, former pastors, pastors in transition. And some of them are still scratching their heads, what happened to my ministry? Our ministry is in the future. 
It's in the generations. It's in the elderly. It's in the young. There are friends. What if I get burned out? Then have fun with kids. They'll refresh you. They'll replenish you. They'll annoy you. Take a break. <laughs> maybe you got burned out at some other church. Maybe, you, maybe we burned you out here. It's not our desire to burn people out. Katie's values, people that can serve once or twice a month, do it. Let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this word would bear fruit in every heart. Lord, that those who are currently involved in children's ministry that are getting weary, I pray, Lord, you'd restore vision, restore revelation, restore purpose. And for those of us that once were involved, I pray, Lord, you'd restore what has been eaten or what got burned up. Lord, just refresh. And I pray, Lord, behind the scenes that we would not miss opportunities to encourage young people and to honor older people and to bless our peers within our own generation, Lord. We're here because of people. Lord, we do look forward to your return. We long for that day. But Lord, you've not come back because you're not willing that anyone perishes. So Lord, let us keep that as our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.
God is great and greatly to be praised. And His Word is true for all of us. Maybe your children are not serving the Lord today. I do not want you to leave here condemned, but encouraged. The story is not over for them. I declare by faith that they're coming back. Amen. They're coming back. We hadn't been in this building long. Yvette and I went to Hot Springs, Arkansas to celebrate our 25th anniversary. And we went to a vineyard church. I'd never visited one before. I always wanted to. It was a Sunday morning. And during that service, the Lord just spoke to me and says, your address is significant. Okay. 5718. Well, I thought it can either be in Psalms or Isaiah. So I went to Psalms and it doesn't have 18 verses. Psalm 57. But Isaiah 57, 18 speaks about restoring the backslider. If you look at verse 17, verse 18 says, I will restore comforts to him. Who knows the comforter is? I will restore. So I'm contending for the fulfillment of that verse in the life of this church. We are 5718. Amen. And for those of you that think you're all washed up, I've been praying that the Lord enables every member of Generations Church to live past 90. And I've seen him do it a few times. It started one time we were praying for Perry Dempsey. And I found myself, Lord, help him live past 90. How old was he? 91, he made it. So if you're going to live through 90, then make some plans to do something different to impact the generations to come. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go get him, Tigers.